This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White. I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg computer doctor, Wilt Scatrer, uh, the uh, IT director with uh, Rankin County and IT instructor at Holmes Community College is out today. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wilts can help you keep it safe, and they can do both well, so you're in good hands either way. Coming up on today's show, we've got a whole batch of emails that we want to get through. We kind of held some of those back uh, until we can go through a bunch of them kind of all in one. So we'll do a bunch of emails today, but we're taking your calls today as well. There's plenty to get into in the news, as we mentioned during the, or as I mentioned during the billboard. Uh, there's lots of news this week about Netflix, which is kind of random. Uh, Netflix is doing away with their DVD service. Yes, their original DVD service. They're shutting that down after 25 years. We can talk about that. Uh, they're also about to crack down on account sharing in the U.S. So we'll have to go through that story. I don't know if that means that it's rampant in the U.S. more than it is in other places or if they just tired of losing money in the U.S. about that. That's probably more close to what it is. Also, Twitter, uh, Twitter is quietly reversing its policies to allow international uh, dead naming and misgendering. So I don't even know what those two things are. So we'll have to. Was figure. that a Freudian slip? <laughs> Quitter. Quitter. You want you trying Twitter to quit? Should, well, Twitter? we should we should open up a right. Jeremy thought that was cute. Also, we should open up a new social media um, platform and just call it the place to land when you've quit all the other ones and call it Quitter. Right. That's Quitter. a million dollar idea, Jeremy. We should do that today. Million's not enough for a company like that, Jay. For Quitter. <laughs> And also, randomly, YouTube has decided to crack down on videos that encourage eating disorders. I don't know that there were videos that necessarily encouraged eating disorders. Maybe it's not just on Front Street like that. Maybe it's... Well, I will say this. There was a, a quick report. I'm a father of three, and YouTube is rampant in our house. And there was a specific mm-hmm. little crackdown or just a highlight of how, or especially on YouTube Kids... There's so much. That's amazing. Um, candy talk and junk food talk, and you know they were taking it from a a health aspect type Ooh, of okay type of thing. Yeah, because this one particular set of uh, videos that the lady is making, quote unquote, lunch. Yeah, but it's all gummy candy in the shape of a hamburger or a gummy candy in the shape of pizza okay. and the little juice. Well, see, I a, thought these you know, part of the, the fight back against these these YouTube videos is like body shaming. That sounds like the opposite of body shaming. That sounds like sugar piling <laughs> into lunch. So I don't know. <laughs> sugar piling. Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, what's going on, man? How's the last uh, week or so been for you? I know, uh, uh, again, as we mentioned, uh, you've got a lot of big life moments coming up. And in, in the recent past, life's moving quick for you. But how how is business going? Uh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Uh, things are good. Um, moving fast, as always. Uh, just trying to stay on top of it. I had to be on a uh, job site at 8 o'clock this morning. 
and uh, had my coffee and everything ready. And I was there about 8.05. But, uh, yeah, a client of mine I've been uh, doing business with for several years, he uh, called me yesterday evening and said that his Mac wasn't working and he already talked to Apple. Uh-oh. And I was like, all right, turn it on and, you know, hold command R. And he's like, no, 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 I already did all that. It, 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 it shows the Apple and then it cuts right off. I was like, pretty bad. He's like, yeah, they said that you've got to, you know, either make a disc or uh, it's dead. And I was like, yeah, sounds like we either need to <laughs> reinstall your operating system or something else here. So anyways, I, um, I got on site this morning and um, I brought my trusty Mac USB disc to uh, try to boot it up. And when you turn a Mac on, if you hold the option key and you have a USB drive or whatever inserted, it'll opt it'll show you all your different boot options yeah. and you should be able to pick that drive and then boot into it um but yeah it would never go there it would turn on and it would show the apple and then it would cut off and uh i was able to do a couple of other like like the pram reset command option pr when you're turning it on if it's not responsive that usually does the trick that prolonged it from cutting off but no it was it was still dead so I went on a search for a new computer for my client because he's had it for several years anyways. And the first thing is, I don't know if you know, but um, you can't get a 27-inch iMac anymore. They don't, they don't sell them that way. If you want a 27-inch Mac experience, you have to buy the 27-inch screen yeah. separately of the Mac and then hook that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the first uh, bitter pill he had to swallow because he really liked his 27-inch. Uh, but... um. I went on. That is enormous, uh, by the way. Right, yeah, but I mean, you know, as you get older, you know, you need a bigger screen, or or maybe you just like watching movies on it. Whatever the case is, I'm yeah. not here to judge. Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm impressed. To, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're more common than you think. I've seen many of those. It's a it's a good size screen. I mean, the one I'm looking at in front of me now is 32 inches itself. So you know, I'm I'm right there with him. But um, yeah, so if you go looking for a 27-inch iMac, you're going to be disappointed to find out that you can't get it. You can only get a 24-inch iMac. And so I was like, okay, well, what can we run out to Best Buy and get you today so we can get you back in business? And the answer was a 256-gig iMac with an M1 processor. That's it. A 256-gig SSD. In 2023, man, that is not enough storage. It is like obvious to me that Apple is trying to offload as much as they can to iCloud and tank their users with mm. this paltry amount of storage. So I was like, well, that's not going to do. He has a four terabyte drive sitting behind his computer to back up all of his stuff on. So 256 gigs really isn't going to cut it. No, we're and close. So, yeah. so we were like, okay, all right, well, you know, the biggest you can get is two terabyte. And we decided that his actual amount of data was probably less than one terabyte. So you go looking for a one terabyte iMac, you can't find it. I couldn't find one at Jackson. I couldn't find wow. one at Hattiesburg. Yeah, I mean, you just, like couldn't find it. So I, I was like, okay, well, we got to go straight straight to Apple. So I went to Apple and I looked it up on my phone. And you can look at this screenshot in the Google Doc we've got shared. Um, it says that it wouldn't be able to get it to him until between May 5th and May 10th. And I was <laughs> like, okay. Wow. Why so long? Well, I don't know. Um, because since then, we pulled it up on his iPad, because I was, you know, I was on my Samsung. We pulled it up on his iPad, and suddenly it said that it could get it there within a week. And I look back on my phone, and I'm like, why does it tell me on my phone May 5th? 
I'm wondering if because it's an Android phone, they're like, yeah. no, he's he's not one of us. He has to wait longer. That is interesting. But I pulled it up on my computer at home, and again, it says, you know, it can have one there in a week. But I was like, how is this possible? How can Apple not have an iMac here before a month with a one terabyte SSD in, inside of it? I, I don't understand. And so, yeah, it was just a, a weird uh, coincidence, I guess. But yeah, so he'll have a new Mac in uh, in about a week, and I'll go set him up and get all this stuff put back on it. It'll be uh, back to good again. But he'll have to get used to that smaller screen. But in the screen, you know, in, in the grander scheme of things, that's interesting though that you you've talked about how, and it's not just Apple. I mean, everybody's got you know a, a major cloud storage platform now. Not everybody, but you know a lot of the big tech companies all do certainly. And that's interesting how maybe subconsciously and in ways that consumers aren't necessarily looking at because it's not in their in their line of sight and how they use it. That's a you know a slight way that they're just pushing us to more accessories. Basically, only this is is a cloud accessory. Well, not only that, but like if you think back even ten years ago, a one terabyte drive coming in a computer was like that was standard. That yeah. was standard, mm-hmm. but that's a hard disk drive, and so it's a lot cheaper than an SSD. But, I mean, I build computers, and I don't even build them with HDDs anymore because they, they're they slower. Uh, unless somebody needs a whole lot of storage, um, it just doesn't make sense, and the cost of solid-state is not that high. So Apple must be putting some premium solid-state drives in these iMacs. The other thing, too, is is that I'm guessing that, that maybe Apple understands that there's probably a bigger percentage and this is this is total speculation on my part but apple has a larger percentage of users who are just you know regular cell phone people and not necessarily tech people per se and they just want a cell phone so they're not necessarily right. digging through and cramming all that storage up so maybe if the bigger percentage or maybe it's an overwhelming percentage of their us users are like that maybe it's not cost efficient for them to put that much storage on a majority of their things and that it's it's more of a streamline for them and their consumers well, to push them people to uh, them people to push those people toward uh their cloud service i don't know just don't me, just devil's advocate maybe for a second don't get me wrong i'm sure that apple has done their research and this is like the way that they can best sell us capitalize on what they've got there but you said that uh this would be quote, regular cell phone users. Well, how much memory comes in a cell phone now? Yeah. What's the standard? Is it like 128? So that's half the capacity of what's in this computer. And most of the time, these cell phone people, you're right, they take that phone and then they hook it up to the computer and they back it up and bam, if they got all those pictures on there, yeah, right, yeah. you just ate up half their drive. So it's like, I want to say, okay, They've done their research, and this is the best way that they can they can provide this. But it seems to me that like they they shouldn't offer drives this small because uh, very very often I have Apple users come to me and they go, I can't I can't even use my computer; it's so slow. And I'm like, Well, your storage drive is like chock full. Yeah. So I mean, there there has to be a trade off. Like, and it seems to me that in most cases, it seems to drive more storage to iCloud. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, it's a product, and they're trying to make money. So, <laughs> well, so you also worked on a a, a Galaxy oh, S twenty yeah. one Ultra this week. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Okay, so first off, I want to say that uh, at, at one point in time, uh, my business did business as computer doctor and phone surgeon. And <laughs> I really have more or less stepped away from the phone surgeon part of my business. It was never actually, it's, you know, it's not even part of my actual company name, which is Hattiesburg Computer Doctor. And I've pretty much stepped out around the Galaxy S7 Edge as far as fixing most Samsung phones go, especially their flagship phones. Yeah. But a good friend of mine, in fact, my, my best friend, he was my best man at my wedding last year. He, there you go. He nudged me. Alan, what's up? I know you're listening. Uh, he nudged me uh, because he wanted to get his phone screen fixed. And I was like, all right, man. If he can't, who can, you, right? For you, I'll do it. You know. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't want anybody else to fix your phone. I mean, I guess I should be the one to do it. And he, he can't be without his phone for well. Let's see, it was pretty hard to pry his phone away from him for about 90 minutes to do the repair. So he can't drop it off somewhere. He just does it like he's way too busy. So I, uh, I did the repair, and, uh, well, I started the repair. And, you know, I've got a cool heating pad that I put phones and iPads on to pull screens up, and I've, I've done that for a while. And the, uh, the pad apparently uh, – well, okay, all right. So first let me say that there was a misconception about the, uh, the back of the phone, uh, which is the first thing that has to come off in order to replace the screen on Samsung's because you don't actually replace the screen. You move everything over to a new frame with a new battery and a new screen inside of it. So um, we looked at it and we were like, yeah, that's that's not glass. That's aluminum. Well, I wish I had just like Googled huh? it because that would have saved me a ton of time. It looks like the glass uh, that the back of the uh, S21 is aluminum, but it's, it's certainly not. It's glass. And I found out the hard way uh -oh. because as uh, as I heated it up and I was coming around the uh, camera bump, mm -hmm. I apparently did not heat it enough and it just snapped right in front of me. And I was like, oh, man. So, I, you know, I let him know the damage, and I was like, look, at this point, it's purely cosmetic. As long as I can get it up around the camera bump, you know, you can still use your phone, and I'll replace the back, and everything will be cool. And so I'm making my way around the other side, and it cracks again, man. And I was like, wow, this is just, this is just punishment. I knew there was a reason <laughs> I quit doing these repairs. And after I got the back of the phone off, it was fine. It just, you know, swapping components, really easy. But that back was a challenge. I managed to get it off without messing up the camera bump so he can still use his camera until Friday when his new back comes in. And, uh, yeah, he was he was very understanding about it, very cool about it. And uh, it was it was definitely a learning experience for me. There's lots of heat on those Samsungs. I feel like, because I was using the iFixit guide, which is like the official guide that Samsung suggests if you want to do a self-repair, I feel like it kind of glossed over how much heat you needed to use on the back. Yeah. And I don't remember reading that it was made of glass. But yeah, it cracked right in my face. And I was like, oh, so, yep, <laughs> that's glass after all. <laughs> all right. Oh, and that's, you know, you not not liking to work on phones, but doing it for your friend. And then it breaks in a million places. And you're like, here I am. This is awesome. Right. And, and the thing is, like, I I like being able to go on the radio and say, you know what? I screwed up. And I'm I'm glad I did because it's just fun sometimes to to remember how how fragile things are, and 
I honestly, I approached it with a bit of a cocky attitude. I was like, oh, I got my heating pad. I'm good. I've been doing this for years. It's fine. And I mean, like five minutes into the repair. <laughs> this ain't no challenge at all, crack. It was a Samsung 21 Humble. Absolutely. Yeah, hum- slice of humble pie is what it really was. Uh, but yeah, I ended up getting the repair done, and he's super happy with the screen. Uh, great quality part that came in, good guide. And also, Samsung, when you get the uh, repair uh, part from iFixit.com, they send replacement screws and adhesive. They send replacement all kinds of stuff, Okay, which was way different than any other repair kit I've ever done. Very nice. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening this morning. we got a couple of calls that we're trying to line up now. But in the meantime, Jeremy, we've got a whole pile of emails that we would love to get through today if we have an opportunity on the air. You can email us, by slew, the way. A slew, one might say. A slew, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Jeremy, where, I've sent you a, a handful. Where would you like to start? What's the, what's, uh, what's the first one you want to try to handle today? All right, I think I'll read this one about the uh, the Dell. All right. Uh, so it says, I have a Dell 15 7000 laptop using Microsoft. I purchased it three years ago. Now I'm getting aggressive messages from McAfee about renewing McAfee. Mm. Oh. It only allows for a three-year renewal for around 400 to $500. <laughs> I mean, that's it? wow. That's all? I do, I do not want to pay that much. Do I need – I don't blame you. Do I need McAfee or are there effective alternate virus protection programs? So uh, let's start there. There's another question about his iPhone 13 or sorry, her iPhone 13. Uh, Melissa sent this email in. And so first off, I want to say this sounds like a scam. Are you getting this in an email? Because if you're getting a pop up on your computer that's telling you that McAfee needs a three year renewal for four hundred to five hundred dollars. That, uh, that's, aggressive that's is a is a aggressive is a proper explainer for that. Yes, that's a so proper if descriptor. Is, <laughs> if this is actually McAfee, then you need to Google the McAfee removal tool and absolutely one hundred percent get that off your computer right now. Uh, you can get malware bytes for around forty bucks a year, and it doesn't ever harass you about anything like this, unless there's a problem with your computer. It doesn't harass you, first off. It just sends you a polite little message saying, hey, I found a virus. You might want to clean this up. I have an update. But it's not aggressive like this. And a lot of virus protection programs these days are just way too aggressive. There's way too many pop-ups. There's way too many bells and whistles. And we hate them. We hate them. Yeah. Um, I believe that uh, virus protection should be a quiet service on your computer. And none of these virus protection program companies care. McAfee hasn't been good since the 90s. All right. It's been a long time. But I think that's the thing. Like McAfee was a company that I think a lot of people. They built a reputation. They did. They earned a lot of people's trust early on. And I think that reputation. Yeah, that reputation (laughs) still persists for a lot of people. But it's not 1998 anymore, like you said. It's a brand and it's not a good brand anymore. And there are way better uh, programs that that can protect your computer from viruses. In fact, I would use the baked-in Windows security before putting McAfee on any machine that I had. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if this is reputable, um, then, yeah, download the McAfee removal tool and get rid of that 100%. Uh, 
Uh, virus protection shouldn't cost you that much. Even Avast has gone to the point where they push for $100, $130 a year. Uh, my wife was subscribed. She was subscribed to McAfee. And, I mean, not McAfee, um, Avast. And um, she went through some hurdles last year and ended up not getting her money back because it had been too long or she was subscribed. Some, somehow or another, they said, mm-hmm. no, we're not giving you your money back. And it ended up being about $130 that they took from her for virus protection that she wasn't even using on her computer anymore because as soon as she and I started dating, I was like, let me see that thing. And the first thing I noticed was it still had a vast on it. And I was like, nope, that's got to go. Right. So that's that. Uh, Now, the other question Melissa had was, uh, is my iPhone 13 protected from viruses by Apple or do I need virus protection program for the iPhone? You do not need a virus protection program for your iPhone. All apps in the App Store have to be vetted by Apple in order to be in the App Store. It is very unlikely that you would download malware. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about that. You do not need any kind of protection on your iPhone. There you um, go. That is pretty much it for that one. All right. Now, if you get um, malware bytes like you mentioned, the free version of that is still very good. Talk to me about the free version of that versus the paid version of that and what the advantages to either might be. Okay. So the free version of malware bytes is passive protection, which means that you have to go in and you have to do a scan manually every day to make sure, or well, whenever you want, uh, to make sure that your computer is virus-free. The paid protection comes with some other things like uh, web shield and ransomware protection uh, that allow you better protection uh, and active protection. So if you go to a website and it catches it, it's going to tell you that it can't load that page. Um, there are uh, like if you if you if something is malicious in your email, it'll catch that. There's a lot of other ways that it protects you from things that just having it on your machine and not uh, having active protection would not protect you as well. But these days, as far as keeping your machine tight between malware bytes and a good pop-up blocker like uBlock Origin, um, which I'm watching currently blocking pop-ups on this. Uh, google doc we've got open j i don't know why that what? is oh okay yeah i'm just watching the number climb but anyways uh between a good pop-up blocker and good what virus in the protection, world? you shouldn't really have many issues i don't know it's up to 600 now I'm just what Apple. i don't know i don't know i've got other tabs open maybe that's got something to do with it oh, okay i don't know why yeah. a simple google doc would that, <laughs> cause no, all that no, harm. it changes it changes per per page wow okay weird very strange anyways yeah uh so between between the pop-up blocker and the virus protection, you should be pretty well set. Now, um, there are fake virus pop-ups that you'll usually get that kind of hijack your browser. But if you can get your browser closed and shut your computer down, you should be able to reboot it, and it should go away. Sometimes that's more aggressive, and it requires a guy like me to get on there and tell it, hey, you need to go away. Uh, and sometimes they go away when you restart. It just kind of depends on what's attached itself to your machine. But these days, most of your, quote, viruses that you see are fake pop-ups that try to get you to call a number or install some bogus type of virus protection to keep your computer safe, which they do none of. All right. Before we go back to emails, let's take a call. we got Patty on the line. Good morning. What's going on? A friend of mine bought a Mac Air used for her daughter. 
that's what her daughter wanted. The problem is it did come with the operating system, and then my friend put some extra stuff on there, and the daughter wasn't happy. When she took the <laughs> extra stuff, she lost the operating system. Oh. But from And I normally work on others, not Mac. So I did a little bit of searching, and apparently I can Ethernet enable her with – anyway, and then – there are ways I can get it back, but I need to be able to partition a flash drive so that I can go to the internet. And unless there's another way, wow. you shouldn't you shouldn't have to do that. Let me just stop you right there. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty. It, it, it's not a not an easy thing. I mean, depending on your skill set, it, it's not necessary to make a USB for a Mac operating system. Uh, nor is it really like what I would say easy. Okay. So if the computer has a recovery partition, you should be able to uh, hold Command and R when you first turn it on, and you'll hear the Mac. Right. Oh, that was good. You just thank you. Uh, you just keep holding that, and then you should see a loading bar, and then it should take you into recovery. In recovery, it should give you the uh, the option to uh, restore your operating system over the internet. So all you have to do is connect it to your Wi-Fi and then restore the operating system through that prompt. That's going to be now, much easier than creating a USB. Okay. Now, when you get your operating system installed, it's going to be the one that came on the Mac, which, depending on how old this thing is, that may be a pretty old version. Uh, so you will need to go to the, uh, the Apple Store, or the App Store, excuse me, and uh, download the updates for the other OSs for the most current update that it can get. Now, is there going to be a problem since I don't have an Apple account of my own? I did get her username and the password and all that, but the issue is that they normally only had the iPhones, but this is the first time they bought a So if it asks for the iCloud information, go ahead and put in what your daughter gave you and okay. it should still just pull the the version of the OS that she's authorized for, which is usually the one that is on that was originally on the computer when it was purchased. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Oh, appreciate your time. Sir. All right, Patty. We appreciate the call from Mobile this morning. This is Everyday Tech with Jeremy Thompson. I'm Jay White. Wiltz is out this week. Plenty of emails and news stories to get into in the world of tech this week. But first, as promised, we got Jerry on the line in Bay Springs. Jeremy, Jerry, thanks for calling. What's going on this morning? Oh, uh, nothing much. I'm hanging clothes out. Uh, such a sunny day. Uh, I, I've got. <laughs> All right, Jerry, let's go. I've got, <laughs> okay. I've got what may be a rant, but um, I've noticed that I, I, when I'm using Google Earth on my laptop, I can't paste uh, an address into that for directions or location. And I don't know if it's me being old and technically ignorant or whether it's a problem with the program and are you trying uh, to right click and do it are you hitting control v on your keyboard i'm i'm hitting uh i'm copying and trying to paste it okay but are you doing it like with your mouse trying to right click and hit paste or are you doing it with a keyboard shortcut like control v i'm doing it with the mouse Okay, so try it with Control and V and see if that doesn't paste it in there. Some programs just don't let you paste stuff in with the mouse, but they'll still obey the keyboard when you send oh. instructions. 
Mm. Okay. Well, my second thing is on my cell phone. Uh, I can't copy and paste a message. Say I wanted to send the same message to one or two other people, and I can't copy the message from the person that I'm sending it to and and paste it into a dialogue with someone else. Android or iPhone? Is that me? Is that me or the phone? It's a it's a LG. Okay. Uh, so it's an Android. When someone sends you a message, you should be able to push your finger down on their message for about one one second or so, and it should pop up a dialog box that says copy. You don't see that come up? No, what I'm talking about is sending my message, a message that I have that I sent to someone and I want to send it to someone else. Right, so you should just be able to copy the text and then cut it and then hit paste. Or not, not cut it and copy it, just cut it or copy it. And then hit paste into whatever message field. Like you just hold down for one second down there where you put your messages in, and then it should pop up and say, "Copy or paste." And you should hit paste. Oh, okay. Yeah, in, in the cut. in the same way that you would highlight your text, the the, the uh-huh. message that you're trying to copy, and you hold it down for a second, and you get that dialogue that pops up, and you can copy it. It's the same thing. Go down into where you text your where you type your text out, and you know, tap it to get your cursor in there, then hold it down for a second, and that same dialog will come up with all your paste options. I, I, yeah, it's, it's called it's called a long press where yeah, yeah. you hold down on the screen for just okay. like one second, okay. and then you'll have a menu yeah. pop up, and then you should be able to see that option to paste it. Okay, and if I if I've already sent the message and I try and copy it, I hit cut first. Nah. Then, well, uh, no, if Not you've already sent it, then you would just hit copy. You can only cut something that you're editing, but you would just hit copy on a message that was sent to you or a message that was uh, that you've already sent. Okay, I'll try that. Thanks a lot, y'all. Yes, sir, Jerry Certainly. in uh, Bay Springs. Go and give us a call back. With uh, the dual copy and paste issues. That's interesting. That's right. They just stack up on you like that. They like do. Rock, scissors, paste. They do. That, that whole process is... Uh, uh, that's one of those things that it, it can only be complicated or not complicated, but it can only mess up when you need to move as fast as possible through copying and, and pasting something. That's one yes. of those things in life, right? Now, how about this, Jeremy? The headline, Bowser has been freed from prison. I like it. Console hacker Gary Bowser, who we talked about all the way back in 2020, right? He's being released from federal prison after spending the last two years behind bars. So in an interview with uh, a YouTuber, Mr. Bowser, that's a real thing, says he was released to a Washington detention center last month where he now awaits his return to his home country of Canada. Bowser, as you see, was arrested and charged with fraud in 2020 for his role in quote-unquote Team Executor, spelled X-E-C-U-T-E-R, a hacking group, that made and sold mod chips for the Nintendo Switch, 3DS, the classic NES version, and Sony's PlayStation Classic, the PS1, as well as other consoles. Since Bowser was living in the Dominican Republic at the time, he was extradited to the U.S. to serve his 40-month sentence, which he says has been cut short due to good behavior. I guess he got the right people some mock consoles. Although Bowser's been released from prison, it still doesn't free him from the staggering amount he owes in restitution to Nintendo... Bowser has agreed to pay $10 million to settle a piracy lawsuit filed by Nintendo 
And that's on top of a separate federal court order that requires him to pay the gaming giant $4.5 million. Bowser says he's managed to pay just $175 back so far. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but he's on the hook for more than $14.5 million to Nintendo. My question to you, Jeremy, is Nintendo suing this guy because they feel like they need to make a point to their consumer base? Or do they uh, feel the necessity to, 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 to sue this guy because his name is Bowser? A little bit of both, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think they, they really they really liked making an example of a guy named Bowser. Right, but yeah, this is they're this sticking is a, it to Bowser. Yeah this this was an ugly case, and uh, Nintendo is not kind to people that uh, threaten its product and its bottom line. Absolutely. 100%. Now, could could I get you down a rabbit hole talking about how reverse engineering is protected and how this guy was just, uh, you know, un- unlocking? It, it, it's not like they were hacking games or anything like. Well, I don't know that for sure. I don't want to say that, but a big part of what they were doing is just unlocking consoles. Your thoughts about that and how there's this battle. This long-time ongoing battle between consumers who know how to unlock things and companies that want to keep, I guess, their software locked up to a certain extent. And the, um, and the I, relationship between those two. Like, is it well, is it right for somebody to want – well, let me say this. Is it right for Nintendo, per se, to want to keep their operating systems locked up in a certain way and – would go to the extent of suing somebody who would try to unlock their operating system. And is that operating system being held in this dude's hands inside of a Nintendo switch? Is that his operating system that he paid $300 for, or is that still Nintendo's and they lease it to the guy in their system that he paid for? And he's just paying for the hardware in his hand. That was a lot of questions. Do you want to answer any of those? (laughs) You're asking so many questions of so many different topics because one of the questions is, is it okay to mod your hardware? Well, yeah, I think so. Right. Um, Is it okay to create a chip and sell it? That's where you start Uh. (laughs) picking off the entities. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really where this dude got in trouble. Now, I haven't done my research on this case. It's been a while. But if I remember correctly, that's basically what it was, is it was mod chips, and he got in a lot of trouble for selling them. So if he was doing it out of his garage, you know, and he only told a few friends, it wouldn't have mattered. But apparently they were pretty big, and oh, he oh, they, their, their whole group had a name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, was that okay um, in the eyes of the law in Nintendo? Absolutely not. Um do I think this is all like right? No, I, I don't. Um, I, poor guy's only been able to pay one hundred and seventy-five dollars of a fourteen point five million dollar balance that he'll probably owe till the day he dies. I think it's horrible. Oh wait, taken out in twenty-five dollar monthly installments from his income from income from a prison from a job in the prison library. If I could read today, wow. Well, <laughs> I guess twenty-five dollars a month ain't that bad. No, that's not that's not bad at all. That's, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, he ought to be able to survive and and pay off. Yeah, he'll definitely owe that balance. I mean, what you couldn't pay that back in a lifetime? Fourteen point five million dollars at twenty five dollars a day. I'm gonna have to do the math on it and get back to you. But I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he could ever twenty five dollars a day. Not a lot. 
I don't know. That's that that stacks up real quick. So what are we talking about? Fourteen million. But yeah, your other question was: uh, Should by- people be able to? Should people be able to buy something and and do what they want with it? Yeah, I think so. But no, none of these companies do. That's just sort of the way it works now. I hate that. That's like how we have to explain that. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's that's just the way it is. Like these companies keep these things locked up tight. So fourteen point five million divided by twenty five dollars in a day is broken up into 580,000 days. That's a lot of days. That equals uh, $1,000 a year. That, that equals, uh, let's see, 1,500 years at 25 bucks a day. I don't know that he'll live that long. Uh-uh. Maybe he can call J.G. Wentworth or somebody like that. He needs cash now. Right. Or some sort of consolidation plan for Bowser. Bowser's got to have money. How does he pay for all that stuff? How does he pay all those all those turtles in his army? Or are they working on... Well, He's anyway. got money everywhere, man. Yeah, They're in blocks all over the kingdom. They may work for mushrooms. Thank you so much for listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson. I'm Jay White. Wilts is out this week. And uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have in the show, Jeremy, we've been talking about emails. Let's do some emails. So what do you want to tackle next? i got to scroll through the list here. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let me read so, one here. We've got uh, my husband's yeah. iPhone apps have become unavailable when he's not connected to Wi-Fi. He has an iPhone 11. He's approaching his limit of data but has not reached the end of – and has deleted photos and old text, emails, etc. I've looked at his settings and can't figure out if there's a button that was disabled. We did turn the phone off and back on, trying to get it back on. That didn't help. He likes to listen to stream music when he's not home, and Pandora will show up on screen when he's away from the Wi-Fi but won't play. It plays just fine at home. This is just an example. He's tried to text me while out yesterday and said it took forever. Any suggestions? I haven't called Apple support yet. Thanks. That's from Helen. Okay, so uh, Helen, you need to go into your settings and you need to go to the individual apps that you're having trouble getting data on and make sure that cellular data is turned on. Because if you go into an app and you turn off the cellular data, it will not work when you're not on your Wi-Fi. So that's, I mean, that that's that's the first thing I would check. It's interesting how that might would happen by mistake. Like, I don't know how that would how somebody could accidentally check that off or is well, there like a warning that could pop up when you're close to uh i guess maybe pushing through your your data your allotted yeah, data he, for a month if he's approaching his limit um i don't think it would turn him off but it would give him notifications that he was getting close yeah. unless he's got it set to turn it off before he reaches that limit Absolutely. So I would check. I would check the cellular data, and then I would check the cellular usage to make sure that you don't have it set to turn off at a certain time or a certain uh, data usage point. Like and here's so some un- here's some unsolicited help. Uh, if your husband is using Pandora and he's paying for it, uh, let me suggest him try a music streaming service that allows him to program his own music. I don't know. That's that's kind of the attitude all of us take up here at the radio station. We're like, mm, we don't need anybody telling us what music to listen to. We want to pick it ourselves. <laughs> but I don't know if 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 you have a, a tepid agreement with music. Maybe you don't want to pick the songs yourself. So that's where Pandora comes in. They pick the songs for you. All right, let's move along, Jeremy. Uh, so get back in touch with us, the last email we were talking about. Stay in touch with us because – 
that's not so much a finish as an instruction for for you to see what you can do. But we want to hear back from you about how that yeah. goes. So let us know. Okay, uh, so we got another one here that says, uh, "Hello, how do I go about projecting my Android phone to my laptop without having to download an app? Uh-oh. Is there a USB that I can use along with maybe an HDMI cord?" Yes, there is. That's a great uh, question. If, yeah, um, if you have a uh, an Android phone that supports uh, output through USB-C to HDMI, then you should be able to hook that up to a TV. I also uh, recommend AirDroid. I know that this particular request was without an app, but um, you can use AirDroid to screen share. Uh, there are other screen sharing apps as well. But if you want to use the cord... The AirDroid is a native app, right? So it's not like he has to go and download something. Right. And also, um, sometimes when you hook a uh, phone, like if you take a Samsung and you hook it up to an HDMI cord and you plug it out to a screen, it's going to give you DeX, which is the sort of like mobile computer thing that Samsung made. It's just like a more friendly interface for screens. Um, But you will be able to see all the stuff. You'll be able to open the apps on your phone there. Um, But you should be able to switch decks off if you just want to screen share. There you go. All right. Let's do, uh, let's get one more in here. Good morning, Everyday Tech Guys. I'm an MPB member. Thank you. Uh, I listen to your show um, as often as I can. I have a question. I have a collection of old cell phones. I was in sales for many years. When I'd get a new phone, I'd just stick the old phone on a shelf. I have one flip Samsung, two Nokias, a BlackBerry. Come on, this is the all-star team right here. This is the greatest hits album. And three iPhones, probably a 4, 6, and 8. I have an 11 now and plan to keep that. I've retired, so not buying any new phones. I have no use for any of these old phones. I have no idea what to do with these. Are any of them worth money? I'm hoping you guys can suggest something. What do you think about that? That's from Guyton in South Haven. Thank you for the call there. What do you think about, what do you do with these old phones? I know there's kiosks in Walmart where you could chuck them in there and get a little a little kickback. It's probably like 25 cents a phone or something terrible, but you can I do that. Put, no, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Uh, so, okay, all right. So Guyton uh, wasn't actually able to listen to our show. He said he had a doctor's appointment. So I put a response to this that we could email him as well. All right. Uh, but I told him that I was not an appraiser by any means, and used devices definitely do carry some kind of value. I would look it up on a website like eBay and see what it was currently selling for or possibly hold on to it for a few more years, and maybe it'll appreciate in that. I know that there was an unopened iPhone original that sold for like $10,000 or something crazy like that recently. Oof. So um, it's it's not crazy to think that they will go up in value. Of course, if they're used, they won't go up in value that much, but it depends on what it is and how heavily sought out it is. I also know that it's like the new thing to have like old stuff. Yeah. So these kids are getting these like 2G phones that are going to work for another few months and then they're going to have to like switch over to something newer. Um, but uh, th- there may be some uh, value, more value there in the secondhand market simply because people are seeking these older devices out. Very interesting. All right. In the minute and a half we have left before the end of the show, you mentioned to me that we need to talk about how to reset your phone again. And this is something yeah. we talk about a lot, but this is something we need to go through again today. Okay. So all the time I have students walk up to me and I've got people that are like, oh, my, my phone is frozen. I can't do anything on it. Um, if you have an iPhone 10 or newer, which you probably do at this point, 
um, you just simply have to press the volume up key and then let go, press the volume down key and then let go, and then press the sleep, wake, or what I like to call the power button um, on the right-hand side and hold it until you see the apple. And gotcha. just uh, just make sure that if you don't see the apple, you do it again. Volume up, volume down, hold till you see the apple. It will work. There you go. That's how you reset that phone. Thanks so much, Jeremy, for all your help today. Thanks for the folks who called in. Thanks for the emails. We still have more to get to. There's plenty of stories that we did not have time to get to, into, and including all of our uh, ranting and raving and gnashing of teeth and waving and shaking of fists at Netflix. We'll have all that in today's episode page, which you'll find at mpbonline.org and wherever you download your podcast. And we encourage you to do that with Everyday Tech. And stay tuned because Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next right here on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.